So this weekend, we conclude our series, our stewardship-focused series, although really uh, generosity, which has become really our our focus, how how it is that we uh, use what God has given us and offer it back to God and to God's people. Uh, Generosity is a theme for us throughout the whole year, that we're called to be generous people. But this particular weekend is our consecration weekend. We're going to invite you in a little bit to come up and and turn in your estimate of giving card. If you haven't already mailed it in, a number of you have mailed it in. You're welcome to mail it in this week as well. But we're going to give you a time to offer that gift, whatever that is, to offer it to God. Uh, in this series this year, we've been, we've been trying to grasp that God is enough and that God provides enough, more than enough for us to live a life that really is life. We've seen this text before. It's really one of my favorites from 1 Timothy. As for those who in this present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Life that really is life. You don't hear anybody saying, ah, I just want kind of a mediocre life, right? Or, oh, give me a lousy life. We want the good life, right? When we talk about what kind of life we want, we want the good life. But what we, what we really want is this life that really is life. But the challenge for us in this world and this culture is to know what the good life, what life that really is life looks like. Because our culture defines the good life as uh, the accumulation of material possessions or being in a certain position of power or influence in the culture or succeeding uh, based on how much you earn or, or what kind of house you live in or what kind of car you drive or what kind of vacation you take. We, we base the good life on those external things that promise in some ways to make us happy And yet most of us have had the experience of of achieving some level of success or acquiring the thing we thought was going to make us the happiest person in the world only to get to it and realize that really it doesn't satisfy us as we had hoped that it would. It doesn't really meet the needs that we thought that it was going to do. We're, We're rarely satisfied with these external things because those are... Uh, ways in which we set our hopes on the uncertainty of riches. All of the things around us that the world tells us will make us have the good life can be gone in an instant. The good life is, is what we want. We just don't always know what that looks like. Winston Churchill says, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. We make a living or we make a life. And I wonder, no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstances are with, with the resources that God has entrusted to you, are you making a living or are you making a life? Let's pray. 
Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today, that it would take hold of us and transform us. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are created in the image of God, God who gives, God who is generous. So as ones who are created in the image of God, we are also created to give and to be generous. We've said it many times that we're chosen by God. We are God's beloved children. We are blessed to be a blessing, not blessed so that we can hold on to those blessings, but in order to be a blessing to the world, to be a blessing to our family, to be a blessing to our communities, to be a blessing to those in need. We are blessed by God in order to be a blessing. That invitation, that voice that reminds us that we're blessed to be a a blessing is is the voice of God, the voice of, of the one who creates us, who loves us perfectly and always provides what we need. Somewhere along the way in our lives, in this world, we begin to hear other voices that compete with that voice. Other voices that that make us uncertain, really, uh, about who we are and about what our intention is in this world. There's two voices in, in particular that keep us from living that life God desires for us. The voice of fear, which says, if I give, there won't be enough left for me. We're so afraid of what might happen to us that we hold on to everything that we have. And we tend to have sort of this misplaced trust in things as our security. If I have enough money or if I have enough whatever it is that we we think will make us secure, that's where we put our hope. That's where we put our trust. That's where we want to be. That voice of fear, if if I give what I have, There might not be enough for me. The other voice is the voice of self-gratification. If I give, I won't have enough money to buy the stuff I need to make me happy. This goes back to this culture in which we live that tells us that our lives consist in the abundance of our possessions and the experiences that we can have. So we find ourselves thinking, if I give, there's not going to be enough for me to get what I want what I think I need to make me happy. So how, how is it that we can uh, defeat these voices, that, that we cannot allow these voices to be the ones that dictate what we do or how we live? First, uh, the simple answer is that we listen to a different voice. We listen to and for the voice of God over the voice of fear or the voice of self-gratification. We listen to the voice of truth that tells us that we, our identity, our insecurity is as beloved children of God, who is a loving parent who delights in providing for us. If you have children, sometimes it, it takes a lot to provide for them, but most parents I know delight in providing what their children need. There's not a a sense of, um, there is an obligation to provide what your children need, but but most parents take great delight in doing that and providing more than what their children actually need. God is a loving parent who sees and knows our need 
and delights in providing that for us. Not only are we beloved children of God, that makes us heirs of the entire kingdom of God. Heirs of the entire kingdom of God. And if we can get that voice louder than the voice of fear or the voice, voice of self-gratification, then we begin to understand what it means to be blessed to be a blessing. And it's the Holy Spirit in us that bears witness with our spirit that this is true, that we are God's beloved children, that we are heirs of the kingdom. And as we allow the Holy Spirit's voice to be louder than those other voices, we begin to change from the inside out. Our heart begins to change, our perspective begins to change, our attitude begins to change, and that then becomes lived out in what we do. And as we listen for that voice, then our fears about not having enough or not having what we need or not having what we want begin to fade away. That doesn't mean that we don't, aren't ever worried about those things. We're human beings. We live in the midst of this world. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts, then we're, we more readily dismiss those other voices and choose the voice of truth and live with that voice of truth. And as we grow in, in discerning those voices and listening to the voice of God, the voice of truth, then, then we realize more and more how much our lives, how much we belong to God. And when we, when we realize how much we belong to God, we realize how much everything we have belongs to God. And we grow in our faith and we grow in our generosity in letting the blessings of God simply bless us and flow through us so that they don't get stuck with us. We begin to, to really understand that the life that God desires for us, the good life that really is life, the life of generosity, is what God wants for us more than what God wants from us. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to choose that. In the midst of this world that would tell us otherwise, there's a couple of, of things we do. First, learning to trust God. This might seem like an obvious thing or, or an easy thing, but a lot of us wrestle with this. This is where that voice of fear uh, plagues us. We worry that perhaps God really doesn't know what we need or won't provide what we need, or we have our needs and our wants uh, mixed up a little bit based on what the world tells us, but we learn to trust God. From the earliest days of the Old Testament, the people of God, their primary act of worship was offering their gifts to God. They would offer what they called the first fruits, which was a tithe. It was a tenth of their flock or their crop or whatever their income was, however they made a living. They offered their first fruits, the best of what they had, they offered it to God, and that was their primary way of worshiping, not gathering and singing songs and, and, uh, and praying and having children's messages, although I'm sure that was important uh, somewhere along the way, right? Their primary act of worship was offering their best to God as, as a way to say thank you, as a way to, uh, to say, I do, we do trust you. We do believe that you are providing what we need. Abraham was the first to offer this gift, and then Abraham's grandson, 
Jacob, who also we know as Israel, the people chosen by God, makes this covenant. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, that's provision, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. The tithe was a way to say thank you, to offer um, that praise and that worship, to confirm that trust in the God who provides what we need. Under Moses, that the tithe became part of the law. The people needed to be reminded and encouraged to give their best to God, to understand that everything that we have comes from God. When we are born into this world, we don't bring anything with us. And when we leave this world, we can't take anything with us. Everything in between is a gift from God. Even our ability to earn income, even our ability to give of ourselves, our gifts and our talents, are gifts to us from God. So they learned, the people of Israel, sometimes the hard way, they learned how to trust God. And part of that learning was this offering of first fruits as they offered that, believing that God would provide what they need. As Christians, we live under the new covenant. We don't live under the law of Moses. But we still, as people of faith, need to be reminded that everything that we have comes from God. And that offering God our best in return is an act of praise and worship. It is an act of gratitude. We're invited to give God our best. And it's also challenging for most of us to give God the best, the first of what we have. Adam Hamilton tells a story about a pastor named David Slagle, who is a a pastor in Georgia, and he uses uh, an illustration using apples to talk about what this looks like, to give, give a visual image of this. Frank was able to put a slide together for me with apples, otherwise Paul was gonna have to enact this whole thing for us. Uh, So 10 apples represents all that God gives to us, all the resources that we have. Some of us have 10 apples, some of us have 20 apples, some of us have five apples. It's not really the number, but 10 is nice, round, easy number. So, right, there's 10 apples. Represents everything that God gives to us, our time, our talent, our resources. God says, here's here's 10 apples. Here's all that you need. Nine of them are yours. Nine of them are yours to do what you need to do with them, to do what you want to do with them. Certainly there's an expectation that out of those nine apples, you're going to take care of yourself, take care of your family. You're going to be wise about how you eat those apples, how you spend those apples. You're going to be wise in in realizing that there are other people who need your care and need your compassion. God says, one is all that is mine. The rest of them I give to you to use, to be good stewards of them. And that sounds great, right? I mean, one out of nine. That that sounds great, except in our culture, nine apples is not ever enough for what we need and for what we want. And and so we begin to think, well, you know, I've paid the bills, but I've run out of money, or I still owe money, or... Uh, There are things that I want. There's a trip. I really, really want to take this trip, and I don't have money in these nine apples to do that. I'm just going to take one small bite 
out of God's apple. And you think it's just a little bite, right? Until the next time that you need another little bite of that apple, right? Maybe Christmas rolls around and and you didn't quite save enough money for the gifts that you want to give. Or maybe there's a medical emergency or there's an emergency uh, unexpected expense at your home, right? Or with a car that you didn't save for. And so you think, well, God certainly wants me to be happy, right? And, and God won't mind if I just take another little bite out of that apple that God wants. Until eventually all you have left, bite after bite after bite, is the core. And then you say, well, okay, God, you can have this. The leftovers, essentially, of what God has provided for us. Aren't you glad I didn't make you eat all the way down to that, Paul? Right? This is a, such a simple illustration, but I, but I think profound in that we forget Nine apples out of ten. Ninety percent of of what we have, God entrusts us to use as we see fit. God asks for one, and we struggle because we don't, a lot of times, trust that God's actually going to provide what we need. And underneath that often is that we have misplaced our trust. And our trust is in things or in a position or in power. God wants our best, not our leftovers. In our culture, nine apples will never be enough, even if nine becomes 20 or or 40. And the choice to give God one out of ten is not about paying our dues. It's not about obligation. It's not about feeling guilty. It's not about saying, well, this month I ate all 10 apples. Next month I'm going to give two to make it up, make up for it. God doesn't work that way. It's not a transaction. It's an offering in response to what God has given to us. And it moves us from being slaves to our stuff and slaves to our position in the society and slaves to the power that we think that we have. When we trust God, To give God our best and our first, it moves us, it frees us to live the life that God intends for us to live. Maybe, But maybe you can't start with 10%. Can you start with 1% or 2% or 5%? Consider what God's given you and what you're invited to give back to God. Learning to trust God helps us hear the voice of truth about who we are in relation to our stuff. And when we can begin to let that voice be the loudest voice, then we're able to offer gratitude. We trust God and and we offer gratitude. Some give freely, yet grow all the richer. Others withhold what is due and only suffer want. A generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives water will get water. There's this paradox about giving out of gratitude that, that we receive when we give. It's not, it's not a formula of I'm going to give this to God so I will get the same thing back. It's about living a life in which the blessings, whatever it is that you are blessed with, that you've received, are used to be a blessing to other people. And you have to just try. 
that that's, to believe that that's true. You have to take the step of faith to trust God, to believe that when you give, what you get in return continues to be a blessing for you, offering that gratitude. Peter Marshall, who was the chaplain of the United States Senate in the late 40s, was telling a story about a man who came to him and said, um, I'm really struggling with this. I used to uh, tithe regularly, but now I, uh, my income is about $500,000 a year, and I just, I just cannot give $50,000 a year. And so Peter Marshall just sat there with them and said, I can see how that would be a problem for you and didn't offer any advice. He just said, how about we, can, I, can we pray together about that? And the guy said, well, sure. And so they, they bowed their heads, and, and Peter Marshall says, Heavenly Father, I, just, I pray that you might reduce this man's salary back to the amount in which he feels like he can tithe. Right? Perspective about what we have and how we struggle to give to God. One of the ways that we give to God is by giving to the church, right? So that when we all are giving, when we're all giving, the work of God becomes multiplied exponentially because we're putting our resources together and the Holy Spirit works in that for the body of Christ, for everybody in the body of Christ to really be part of that. So that the world begins to know what the body of Christ really looks like. The love of God in action. And then living a life of service and generosity. It's not just about the money. It's not just about the financial resources you have. This first story out of Mark is about the widow. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. There's a sense of giving what we have, trusting God. This widow gave, trusting God, and it required her to continue to trust God. It's not just about the money. It's about the life that we choose to live, whether we're making a living or making a life. Are you making a living or are you making a life? In 1 Timothy Again, this ver- these verses that, that just need to permeate who we are. As for those in the present age are rich, and that is all of us. All of us. Command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, which is what our culture would have us do, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Giving God one apple is not about punishment. God gives us what we need, richly provides for us, for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. Thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. The way we store up treasure is by giving it away. And in that is when we find the good life. The life that really is life. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what your situation is. 
But I do know that God has provided for you. I do believe God has provided for you and will continue to because we're God's beloved children. We're heirs of the kingdom. God's not going to abandon us or forsake us. So I invite you to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit to be louder than the voices of the world around us. Inviting you to trust God, to offer gratitude, and to live a life of service and generosity. Offer yourself to God in this way and see what God does. See what God will do when you offer God your best. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, it's so hard for us. Sometimes we just want to hold on to everything that we have. We're worried and afraid of what might happen. And yet the truth is, what would it be like if, if, if we were worried or excited about what might happen in a way that celebrates your goodness, that is a, a way of living with expectancy that you're going to provide and that maybe you'll provide in ways that really just blow us away. Lord, help us to let go of the voice of fear and that voice of self-gratification that tells us that there might not be enough and that it's all about us. We know that's not what you tell us. We know that's not the truth. So help us in the midst of this world in which those voices are so loud. Help us to hear your voice of truth reminding us who we are, reminding us who you are, and inviting us to live generous lives, inviting us to make a life rather than making a living, so that your kingdom might be what benefits from how we live. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.